0: Everyone and welcome to the Go Global podcast series, the show that addresses the importance of think globally and act locally. I'm your host Ellen Wang from Leeds University Business School. Today I'll be discussing globalization with Stephen, who's one of our alumni graduated from International Business and Finance back in 2013. Stephen is no stranger to us as he's been frequently invited back to share his journey and experiences. Stephen is a networker, an ambassador, an advocator, and a storyteller. So I'm very excited to have Stephen joining me today to unpick some of his personal stories in order to help us to understand the importance of being local. Hi Stephen, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi Alan, it's great to be back virtually and I think it's nice to um, always maintain links and contacts with Leeds uh, University and LAPS.
0: Absolutely, thank you Stephen. So I think a g- really good place to start today is for you to tell us a little bit about yourself please.
1: Sure, I think as you introduce uh, myself um, very nicely there, uh, I studied at uh, LAPS back, um, um, back at 2011 and I graduated in 2013 um, a little bit about me after graduating from labs, I worked for a couple of years at a prime brokerage division at UBS Investment Bank in London office, so somewhere uh, around Broadgate, Liverpool Street Station, um, where, you know, just like any other investment banker working, till late midnight. And then I decided that's my passion is probably not finance, but joining a strategy consulting. So uh, currently I'm, I'm working as a client engagement lead at Accenture Strategy. Uh, where I'm focusing mainly on UK, Europe market, as well as Asian financial services markets. I've dealt with the likes of Brexit crisis management, COVID-19 impact assessment, and now I'm driving a central sustainable finance and COP26 agenda for Accenture. And for those of you who are listening, COP26 is a major climate change summit that's going to happen in November 2021 where the UK is hosting its uh, presidency for the COP26 summit.
0: That's great, Stephen. Thank you so much for that introduction. And it's so good to know that you've been involved in so many big assignments as well. So um, just follow up on that. I'm interested to learn a bit more about your journey and how Lee's degree has helped you with your career after graduation, please.
1: Sure, I think I should Probably call out the overall Leeds experience really from the, the, the big part of that is the degree, but as well as the university life as the second key component that together both the degree and the university life really advance my personal development. So, in the degree, so I came straight to the second year of uh, Leeds University Business School um, doing international business finance as a direct entry student. Um, during that, I sort of knew that I was really looking after and going for the finance jobs because, you know, when you studied international business finance and when the whole badge is aiming for banking job, finance job, that's kind of your mind sort of geared towards that. Um, Data entry students was a, a special route because normally um, you join labs um, as a fresher, as first year, um, where I came... Um, straight second year. Um, I did my college at, into Manchester, then uh, get into Leeds. Um, what I felt is that I missed a, a lot of things that I couldn't do because I didn't do my first year at Leeds University Business School. And I always felt I was behind and that, that creates a need for me to catch up and try not to miss out certain things and trying to say yes and trying to um, almost measure what, you know, uh, what would be the cost, you know, what would I lose if I don't do these things? And I, I signed up to a number of different things uh, in that front, just to make the most of my life. And that could segue to the second component. I think uh, a little bit of my journey in Leeds, uh, something that probably I reflect now that I, I truly champion intercultural interest and international students community, when i was elected as the activities exec for culture representatives at the union at the luu so i was elected to really represent Indian, uh, international students as well as working with the presidents of culture societies at the time there were about 25 maybe there, there, there are more now at luu so it's really working with um you know the likes of bbc the chinese societies until like vietnamese society so really very diverse it's eastern european societies as well Uh, I, I didn't realize how much that sort of intercultural awareness gave me a true competitive edge. And that experience in working with such a global community in Leeds and the presidents and committee members of different cultural societies working in one of the largest cultural events and international student events at the time in 2012, 2013, uh, which led the University of Leeds winning the most internationalised um, university uh, with the highest satisfaction of international students at the time, was fantastic. And, and that really gave me an experience that how can I work in a multicultural setting? So I think um, from degree-wise, I came as a second, <laughs> uh, sorry, a direct entry student straight to the second year. I felt like... Um, sort of I was missing out on a lot of things and I'm sure I still kind of regretted that I didn't do my first year leads, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I signed up to like eight to 10 different societies just trying to get to know um, and that probably were one of the reasons why I tried to step out from my comfort zone and, and, and just do what you no know, um, no shouldn't normally do just because that feeling of um, constantly want to catch up and, and you know, that sort of activities and proactivity lead me to um, you know, becoming the president of Indonesian societies and the uh, intercultural ambassador for the university and the activities set for LUU that brought me into where I am today.
0: That's great. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Stephen. I I must admit, I never realized you were direct entry students, which explains a lot because you talked about, you know, your fear of missing out in terms of the opportunities, especially not having studied the first year in in labs. Uh, But also there's one point that you mentioned about your, that the awareness of intercultural competencies give you the edge of the competitiveness when you're looking for for employment. so, just kind of follow up on, on that train of thought as a former international student who's missed out this first year in the UK and now have settled in the UK working for a very global, repu- reputable organization. What are your thoughts on the term of globalization? Do you think it's really important in the workplace?
1: Sure. Um, let me share a personal story, and I think the whole degree and life experience or studying experience leads really gave me an edge in a way that being able to be prepared in working, you know, in a team with 10 different nationalities and sort of knowing what are, um, you know, the, the, the potential um, kind of success, success tips and how to better integrate and how to come out um, in a, in a high performing manner um, makes a huge difference. Because if um, you know, if if you're like me who really wish to uh, develop myself and work and kickstart your career in a global multinational companies, then please do expect a diverse set of intake of uh, teams or profiles that they're recruiting. And majority of multinational companies now have a target inclusion diversity as well that they recruit, you know, from gender perspective, from minority ethnics, they, they really do champion these. And um, a lot of our internal study suggests that because of the diversity of perspectives and backgrounds that really lead for innovation and innovative themes on how we are able to solve uh climate problems that are also quite diverse. And I think that sort of things will only continue. In a Covid nineteen context, and that's more recent, globalization is far more important because what you see here, global companies will have a central team in their headquarters, you know, having a global decision-making type of thing. And they would also have local teams everywhere in their relevant offices. It could be in Southeast Asia, it could be in China, it could be in Middle East, right? The point on COVID-19, it's all about how to empower local leaders to make intervention and make decisions. And the whole globalisation, I think companies that thrive in the context of COVID-19 are those that recognise different local presence, local footprints have different needs. Their behaviours in response to pandemic are different the way the local governments or the national governments um handling COVID nineteen are very different as well. Some of Asian countries perform better than the likes of say Europe or the United States during at the peak of the first or the second wave of COVID nineteen. So those companies that fail to adopt localization and only adopt one sort of size fits all, only globally driven sort of what to do, then will fail. Because they will failed to capitalize on some of more positive momentum from some of the local um, regions that are able to thrive and able to handle COVID-19 better. At the same time, those companies that adopt and perform, you know, this global local, uh, get this global local dynamics right, are able to thrive because they will be able to diversify their ways of working The local sort of footprints that require more adjustment will be allowed to do so. Those that, you know, still constrain because of APC can also do that. Overall, COVID-19 is a great imperative for companies, I think, to really embark on that global, local dynamic and getting the localization correct. And it started from teams, right? If the people joining the company, that's why I started with my personal sort of observation and my personal perspective in order at the macro company level embark on that global and local dynamics, it needs to start with individual and the teams that are kind of working at, in, in the team level. That acknowledgement is key in order to fuel that global and local dynamics that happen at a macro level. So, I think those sort of, um, you know, as, as, a, as a former international student, probably I didn't really appreciate how much this global local would work. As personally, when, you know, I mean, pre COVID 19, you wake up, then kind of came, uh, you know, seeing these Parkinson steps and Kind of walking down, um, passing LUU and to the western side of the campus, beautiful laps, right? I mean, sometimes you just feel like you live in Leeds, and you know, you feel like, okay, well, Leeds, nice and quiet, and um, and all of that. But you know, I think the world is moving very fast. COVID nineteen has accelerated digital transformation, and I think when I speak to some of our clients, the uh, the the the, the most innovative sort of you know the 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 person that is responsible most for, the, uh, for innovation happening in some of the companies right now are COVID-19. It's not even the CIO or the chief technology officer. It is COVID-19. It forces them to think and to behave differently. There's no really one size fits all, but trying to get that global local dynamic in the headquarters with the regional offices and the local offices get them right, underpinned by data, because I think data is key uh, for a uh, a good localization and always that sort of um, kind of real time adjustment and within that companies require to empowering the people at the local leadership level at the same time at respective teams
0: absolutely no thank you for that, and uh, I think it's very insightful i mean. I've raised. I've kind of worked out two points from what you have said. One is I love the point about you. You know, you use the COVID-19 not only it poses a threat, but it's also an opportunity as well. I think that you know that's something that you're trying to say. And the other point, I loved what you said about you know it, it really kind of um, make the local leaders to come up with innovative uh, interventions because of COVID-19. And you know, I think that's that's absolutely um, the key. Which which is the, the fact that COVID-19 has accelerated the way that we work, how we do things and everything else around it as well. Um, so obviously when we talk about COVID-19, um, you know, I can't help to think about the restrictions on international mobility as a result of that. Now my question to you is what do you think our students can do to develop a global mindset, but really to act locally, please, and so what can they do and what are your advice, please? Okay, so let, let me... Ac- it's a hard uh, question,
1: me- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me start by acknowledging that there are some of the students that are still in the UK or in Leeds, um, and they may not be able to come and study in person in campus, and, and, and I know that's quite difficult. But there are also those population of, um, you know, international students that are also uh, back home, then they have to really, really live in a UK hours from wherever they are, uh, trying to catch up with their studies and do all sorts of things as well. So I acknowledge sure. that this is certainly unprecedented, which is a term that being overused at the moment. But it's true, right, that uh, what what you guys are facing, either international students and home students, are not something that I faced when I was at Leeds. So two main things that people can start um, be thinking and do in order to dev- develop a global mindset and also act- acting locally is is by changing gears and to charge ahead. So let me come back to that point. Changing gears and to charge ahead. So I want everyone to picture almost like an Armageddon. You know, almost the end of the world. You know, you and your close relatives are in a car, seeing that something about to happen. And, you know, hopefully if you're like with many other people, or perhaps, you know, you are the first one to spot it, there is this, Um, big nightmare going to happen and it's real, then you will change gear. You will change your gear. You can't just do, we call it BAU in corporate, business as usual. It's not going to work like that, right? And after you change gears, then you will charge ahead, away from that sort of distractions, but to a safer a better, sort of brighter future. And usually the Hollywood goes that everything will be happy and everyone's going to smile at the end of that day. If not, then it's not going to be a good film. Anyway, but focus on those things around changing gears and charge ahead. So firstly, on the changing gears, it actually can be done into four Ps. The first P is position. Second P, prepare. Third P is progress. And the fourth P is press on these four pieces are staged uh, it it it's a really four stages that you could do today right it's not something that you should do when you graduate from LEED or you know maybe next academic year in september but today i think positioning who you are in the post covid-19 job environment is key positioning what sort of profile or what sort of story you want to be known for In order for you to prepare, which is the second P here, so that you know exactly what are the gaps that you have in order for you to move to that position. So, for example, if now you believe, and, and again, this is something I see, the UK right now is really have a big talent gap in some sort of digitally um savvy roles data analysts data scientists data and software engineers i mean there are a lot of jobs out there and accenture also recruiting heavily here on ai and all of this sort of digital sort of savvy roles but we just can't um seems to staff certain roles right i think if you are able to position and acknowledge the fact that the world is changing post-covid 19 and that you want to be part of and be relevant, then I think you should position um, yourself in the post-COVID-19 world and prepare. And when I say prepare, it's not just revising, but actually get your hands and do the heavy lifting in identifying some of the skills gap today. And what do you do about it? Do you want to go on YouTube and Try to learn yourself on how to, say, edit videos or maybe on how to code or how to do ABC. There are so many um, sort of um, also free resources. And I'm sure the university may have some sort of um, available resources that you could do on preparation. And then after you sort of, you know, done with the positioning and the preparation, the third piece around progress. Have you made progress in filling those gaps? Or are these gaps are way too big for you to fill and what do you do sort of thing, right? And this is where I think it is important for the fourth element. It will be a tough journey. And I think for those who can be uh, brave enough to step out outside of their comfort zone and press on, which is the fourth B, and press on means that you just be persistent. That is a, that, that if, if you set a goal and you set there are a number of skills gaps you want to really, Um, kind of filling some of your skills gap yourself to build a better profile, then that's great. And I think being persistent here could also mean really connecting with your maybe some of the lab staff or some of the professor, potential mentors, your senior, someone in your societies, in Leeds, outside Leeds, back home. Try to have that sort of conversation. This is where I want to position myself. This is how I've been preparing, and this is sort of my progress. You could say, I'm proud of this progress. I'm not so pleased about this sort of progress. Let's be objective, right? Meaning that if you made some little progress, let's recognize those progress. If you haven't done so, how? is there any other sort of enablers you are able to look at is there is a potential mentor can help you to motivate you i think when you're on your own with very limited sort of in person contacts it can be hard but i would uh, encourage you um to 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 think about that four piece within the changing gears uh, some examples um that i can bring into some of more student contacts, and maybe this is um, also um, what, what I've done. So I got involved um, at uh, Leeds MUN, so Model United uh, Nations, uh, where I was a VP at the time and, and really trying to uh, get involved in meeting new people and networking and trying to be able to articulate certain policy positions and stuff like that. I know some of these happen virtually now, a bit difficult, but still, you know, why don't you try to network and go out there uh, or maybe you can apply to represent your country in a, international conferences that are for university students. These sort of things happen in person normally, but I know they turn into online in the wake of uh, COVID-19. So that could be a possibility, um, you know, uh, for to, to do certain things that are uh, helpful for personal development side of things or... You know, you could also apply to speak or present at some of these conferences as well that will try to enhance some of your skills that you haven't done if digital is not your thing, right? But again, I mean, um, I mean, so- something acknowledging, you know, what you don't want to be and who you want to be is also important. It's just taking the first step. And it could mean listening to Ellen's podcast on Glocal, right? And acknowledging that you need to change gears to charge ahead. And the charge... Uh, uh, charge ahead here is something that probably i'm going to leave it to every individual listening to this because it's all about the state of mind. charging ahead is not a one off but it's that direction of travel so once you know the positioning and once you know how to prepare and progress, charging ahead is it's really a state of mind of a growth mindset that you just want to continually improve on day in day out and just never settle for less and you know think about some of this framework and what you could do today to change gears to charge ahead hopefully that's helpful
0: That's very helpful, Stephen. Thank you. What an insightful piece of information. I mean, I've not stopped taking notes. I think I'm running out of (laughs) spaces on my notebook, but I absolutely love the model that you shared on 2C and 4P. So for those who are in the marketing industry, forget about the 4P that you know, but you know start learning about the 4p that Stephen just shared so about the position prepare um, progress and press on and yeah thank you so much for sharing those I think that's really you know helpful not only that you've told us the the what but you've only you also told us the how as well so that's really helpful thank you um one of the things I just wanted to kind of touch upon which you've mentioned very briefly in terms of where entering into the the information technology and the digital transformation era, right? So in some of my earlier episodes, I've interviewed several um, student representatives who have shared the challenge of network um, and the lack of network opportunities with potential employers, which perhaps is something that, you know, for example, when your study at least, it's is not there so what advice could you give to our students on effective networking during the pandemic period please
1: again i'm not a student so currently living off the you know living from the pandemic so uh, i'm not probably best best place to share but if i could reflect on some of my experience in the past and seeing how some of these activities turn online i think probably three quick things so one is around making active contributions Secondly, sharing your story and who you truly are and three around measuring your personal impact. So number one, making active contributions, right? Um, you know, no matter where you are, either you're in Leeds, outside of Leeds, you know, elsewhere in your home uh, with your parents in the UK or if you're in, you know, respective home countries, there is no reason why you can't join a community or a society. This is even more important. That you are connected through club or society or community, probably not sport because you can 't do sport whilst virtual, but I think there are so many i 'm sure societies that can still run and that can still meet regularly um, through that and contribute you know to those that you're passionate about, so that you know some of the roles you know if you apply for a committee position it's not like another burden that you have to do it 's not another commitment but because you 're passionate about something you don 't mind spending to it. And you could procrastinate productively. And I like people use uh, th- this word because everyone procrastinate, right? That's a reality. Whether you're working, whether you're studying, everyone procrastinate. But the decision to procrastinate, either to watch Netflix and Korean drama or to, you know, to, to just be lounging around, or you could choose procrastinate pro- productively by, say, do some society stuff or society work. You just happen to meet virtually, that's it, right? I think those are the type of people that can make active contribution will eventually be able to network meaningfully with other people because it's not just for the sake of turning up to another Zoom sort of session, but getting your name out there, being known for something. Oh, right, this guy, the treasurer of this, or the guy that can do video editing at this society or things like that. And this is a great opportunity because I'm sure there will be demands for some of your contribution. And this is where you could make a difference, where perhaps similar folks around you will need you the most. Secondly, around sharing your story. I think I would highly recommend people to use um, LinkedIn and other sort of relevant social media to share positive stories on you know a number of milestones, And I think that's great because you know, you you are being thankful on something. You know, if you just did a virtual internship at a particular company, share about that to your networks. And it's great. Or maybe you can share how thankful you are to a mentor of yours that have done, that have provided a bit of their time, maybe half an hour coffee catch up and, you know, giving you inspire inspirations and giving you a way of, blah 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 whatever right i think sharing your own sort of milestones and thanking other or recognize other people contribution towards you will go a long way that could be a good way for you to network because you know you've done something and then you share it it amplifies the reach at the same time when you recognize someone that give indirect non-monetary sort of satisfaction indirectly to the people that have helped you that hopefully generate for future sort of conversation. Don't, you know, have a conversation and it's just a very one-off. And I think there is this mentality that people do in networking or, you know, when you're not very, very familiar with networking, you just try to use or, you know, take advantage of people's time to create this one, one one-off or a very short-term Sort of networking, um, or re- sort of short-term relationship. What can I take advantage of this guy? Oh, I can probably drop this guy name on CV because I'm applying for something. Or I need him because I need him. This because you know that type of mentality. I'd encourage you to, uh, or I can I encourage um, you know, lead students to think more of a long term. You know, when, when you embark on pot- potential mentors or one or two other people in thinking around, you know, what sort of long term relationship and mentorship sort of relationship that you can embark on rather than just one off. Again, back to the meaningful networking is far more important in a sort of virtual environment uh, more more than ever. And measuring personal impacts is more on You've done, you know, you may have joined community societies, you may have shared via LinkedIn and stuff like that, but if you don't measure what impacts that have you generated, then you may lose a bit of that positioning. Meaning that sometimes, and I I said, right, please say yes, but sometimes it's okay to say no, to be, to have a bit of focus. It's okay to focus on, you know, once you try a bit of that, you know, make a decision on what are the things that you want to focus on so that all all of the things you've done help you for your positioning. These personal impacts will really help you to evaluate where you want to go and where are you. So once you set that position that I mentioned part of the 4P, once you set that position, and I think it would be good for you to measure along the way where are you today in comparison to, say, where you want to be in that sort of position. So if you want to just an example, right? If you want to be an investment banker in, you know, say, J.P. Morgan, the Bank or wherever, wherever, right? And you want to be that front office investment banker guy. Okay, maybe you want to join uh, LUU Trading Investment Society or maybe you want to be a consultant, you want to join LUU sort of consulting society. You want to be the president or you want to be whatever, whatever, right? And then you share a bit of story about what you've done the event you organize, you know, great things, thanking people. But measure where you are today, and then where you wanna be, you know, are you one step closer or maybe you're one step away from your position, then make intervention. Right? I, I I do think there needs to be a purpose within networking, but make it more meaningful through that three points around making active contributions, sharing your story to the public domain, if you're comfortable, <laughs> and measuring your personal impacts, where are you today against your positions.
0: That's great, Stephen. Thank you so much once again. I think this is a great point to conclude our episode today. We have discussed two C's and four P's and actions to take to enhance your personal branding to stand out from the crowd, all of which are very valuable tips. Remember, if you wish to connect with Stephen, then feel free to contact Stephen Masolino via LinkedIn. So for the next several episodes, I hope to continue inviting more guests to join me and share their insights on globalization and how they're tackling some of the challenges along the way. Most importantly, I want to continue to raise awareness and importance of think globally and act locally. If you're interested in finding out more about this topic, please subscribe to our podcast series, or if you would like to get in touch, our contact details are available in the episode description. Until then, that's go global.